Tonight at Ground Zero Meetings, we're going to continue down our, our series of going through the Bible. Uh, tonight's uh, message is about the book of Deuteronomy. Um, like I've been saying, if you're a, a new Christian, I really encourage you to start in the Gospel of John, stay in the New Testament, figure out your relationship with Jesus, figure out who this guy is to you. Um, that is so important um, to really just... Learn as much as you can about Jesus in those early days, months, weeks, whatever, that it's so important that you are able to wrap your mind around who Jesus is and those words are speaking to you and how they affect you and how you slowly begin to wrestle with them and start to apply them to your life, that there's so much good content throughout the entire Bible. But as a new believer, it's best to be in the New Testament because you're new to this stuff. But if any of you have tried to read through the Bible and started at the beginning, you'd be lucky if you made it this far. And we're going into Deuteronomy, and it's Deuta, which means two, basically, and it's the second law. That, you know, Moses has taken, you know, the tribe through the wilderness. You know, they've had their ups, their downs, there's been some rebellions, there's been some plagues, there's been some all sorts of different things that have been going on. They've been traveling through the wilderness for a really long time. And the reason why Moses is going through the law again is because when they had the opportunity and the 12 spies went into the promised land, 10 of them said, no, we can't do that. There's crazy stuff over there. We're going to die. And everybody allowed that spirit of fear to get in them. They did not trust what God had had for them that God wanted them to go there, even though that Joshua and Caleb said, yeah, let's do this. You know, there's grapes the size of my head. This is the land of milk and honey. Let's trust God. But the majority of them wanted to run away. So God gave them the desire to their heart and allowed them to not go where God had wanted them to go. And this is really scary because if we push God, in a sense, And we want to do our own thing. At some point, God just says, okay. You know, and he gives us that thing that we think we want. And usually, even though God has told us numerous times that that's a bad idea and we should do this, he knows that we're not going to let go of it until it hurts us. You know, and it's true today. You know, that there's times throughout the Bible that he gives the Israelites, the desires of their heart, you know, they wanted a king. You know, the prophets are like, no, you know, you don't want a king. And they're like, no, we want a king. And God's like, give him a king. And it brought all this pain into their lives because they weren't weaning on God. They weren't trusting in God. They were trusting in man. You know, and here again, you know, God gave them the desires of their heart because he had to break off the world. He had to break off their idolatry. He had to break off Egypt. And so often there's times that God takes us through different seasons because we want to hang on to something even though everything around us is saying don't touch that. And we're like, well, it's not that big of a deal. You know, I'm not doing it like other people are doing it. I'm getting real close to that fire, but I'm just feeling the heat, but it's not burning me yet. You know, I'm different. I I can handle it. And sooner or later, that same fire that's burned us a million times gets us, you know, and whether it's drugs and alcohol, whether it's relationships, whether it's money, jobs, 
you know, getting into the things that, you know, the people around us are, are giving us warnings. Even the Holy Spirit has said, don't do that. And we find some way to justify it and we get all spiritual, you know, and it's funny how sometimes that we get spiritual and we negate the Holy Spirit, you know, and the Holy Spirit's been saying, don't do that or do this. And we like, la, 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 I can't hear you because we want what we want. And, you know, that is what was happening here. It's it's 5,000 years ago, and it's the same today. You know, it's the, the, the root of sin in our lives. So Moses is here with a second generation. You know, the older generation, most of them had died off. Now, now their kids are here. And, and Moses is going back over the, the playbook and saying, look, this is the way we're supposed to do this. So he's reiterating the law. He's, he's giving them, you know, basically a refresher course because they're about to go into the promised land. And Moses has given them, you know, the law and he's given them warnings. He's like, if you don't do this, then this is going to happen. But if you do this, this is going to happen. You know, and it's the same principle that we see in recovery. It's the same principle that we see as we follow the Lord, that when we live by biblical principles, we live by these recovery principles, our life prospers. When we do it our way, things get crazy. You know, and it's so important that we we begin to learn that that God's principles bring promise. That we may not see it, and it may take longer than we think it will take, but it always will come true because it's God's word. You know, and there's these these principles that have been woven into the big book, been woven into recovery, that are all rooted in the Bible. You know, they're all godly principles that when you seek God, you find him. You know, that when you let go of certain things and you get better, you know, you, you let go of resentments and you start to be free. You know, there's all these promises that are rooted in principle that are rooted in the word so as we learn to live the way god is asking us to live and not compromising and not getting close to things that we shouldn't be getting close to that god really begins to take us on this crazy crazy path you know and the more that we're able to surrender and the more that we're able to listen and the more that we're able to allow jesus in the faster we grow you know, and there's times that we dig our heels in because we're stubborn and we're prideful and we don't want to listen and we don't want to humble ourselves and we don't want to ask for help and we don't want to do this and I don't want to do that and I don't think I should have to and I want to do it this way and I don't want to listen and I want to go this way. We all do it. I do it. We all do it. Every human does it. But how quick can we get back to Jesus? How quick can we get back to the obedience of the Holy Spirit is, you know, whether we get the consequence that's hooked to that thing or if we get some grace and a little pat on the butt and, and we get to move forward. You know, you know, there's this, you know, this, this Hebrew word called Shema that you, you read through the text. And it's really like, listen. You ever been talking to somebody and you're like, are you listening to me? They're like, yeah, I'm listening. And you know they're not listening because it's not about hearing. It's about obeying that, you know, Moses is here talking about the Shema and they make it into a prayer and they get religious and they do it twice a day. 
you know, and that's what we do sometimes with God is that we find one little piece and that we, we stick to that and we, we, we make it into our religious, you know, efforts. You know, I'm, well, I'm going to church and I, I'm doing this and I, you know, I've read some of my Bible and I prayed today, but yet I'm disobedient in all these other things that the Holy Spirit and people that are around us are saying, hey, you should probably be aware of that. We're like, well, I'm different. It's not that big of a deal. And see, this is what's kept the Israelites stuck, is because they're following the rules, but their heart's not in it. So when crunch time happens, they choose their own thing. You know, it looks like they're doing it on the outside, but secretly, when no one's looking, well, what's the big deal if I, I dabble a little bit with an idol? What's the big deal if I sleep with the, the, the girls from the other tribe? What's the big deal if I... I, I, you know, worship the moon god every once in a while. It's not like I do it every day. You know, and we make these types of excuses. We make these type of excuses in our recovery. You know, my greatest excuse that I hear is, well, at least I'm not smoking crack anymore. Well, yeah, but that means you can do everything else under the sun? You know, and so often... You know, we have this hard time because we get this one message in recovery that's the God of our understanding, do whatever the heck you want. But then when you have the God of the Bible, there's some restraints that get put on us. And it's not so much restraint in, in the rules as it is we want Jesus in our heart and that something begins to happen on the inside of us that we don't want to go those directions anymore. So if I still want to go in those directions, what's really going on in my heart? And see, Moses starts speaking to this, is that we got a heart issue. So 4,000, 5,000 years ago, Moses is directing the issue of that our heart is this idol maker and it's wicked. You know, and you see it, you know, in Ezekiel that our, our, our stone, our heart that's made of stone turns into a heart of flesh, not by our own efforts, but because of the name of God. He, you know, Ezekiel's prophesying Jesus. You know, we see it in Jeremiah too. And he's talking about the heart change. He gives us the desires of our hearts. You know, so this, this heart issue is the same thing that we struggle with today. Because I want to do the right thing, but I do the wrong thing. You know, and Paul writes about it in Romans 7. It's like, you know, why can't I do it? You know, why do I keep doing the wrong thing? You know, and he addresses it. It's my sin nature that my heart still needs to get circumcised. You know, it still needs to get the world cut off. And sometimes it's important that we get away from those people, places, and things in almost like a radical way that people are like, oh, you're being too crazy with it. Well, when I was running and gunning, (laughs) I was crazy with it. And I didn't care when they said anything about that. You know, when I'm, you know, up for days and I'm doing crazy stuff and I'm walking down the street doing stuff I shouldn't be doing, I didn't care then. But now when I'm serving Jesus, when everybody says, well, you don't want to be too radical. Like, I'm like, oh, I better not be too radical. Let me get compromised like everybody else. And then I wonder why it's taking me longer to get away from certain things is because I want to make it look okay by everybody else around me. And Jesus doesn't care about what's going on around us. He wants us to trust him with our hearts. You know, and I don't know how many times 
that I've been ridiculed because I'm super Jesus-y. You know, there was a time when the girls in the halfway house, every time I would speak, they'd be like, oh, there's Jesus. Because every time I would talk in the meetings, I'm talking about Jesus. Because that is what's changed my life. And I've learned to share my experience, strength, and hope with it, that I'm not trying to really preach to people. I'm sharing my message of what God's done in my life. You know, and it's funny now is that a lot of the old timers that have seen me struggle and seen me when I was at my craziest, they don't, you know, they don't moan and complain like they used to because they see that I'm actually walking this out. You know, and when we walk it out, the people that have ridiculed us all these years or all these months begin to see, you know what, there's something different about that guy. You know, there's something different about that girl. So when crunch time happens in their lives and they don't know what to do, all of a sudden you get this phone call out of nowhere. You get this text message out of nowhere. You get this Facebook, you know, message out of nowhere. They're like, hey, you know, can we talk? I'm like, sure. You know, and it's like, where were they before? It doesn't matter. But they saw that there's something different in you. You know, and this is what Moses is trying to get to because they're about to go into the promised land and then there's these seven tribes that, you know, God says, you need to kill them all. You know, and that's really the problem of the Israelites, you know, throughout the Old Testament and even today, you know, that they did not circumcise this out of their life. They did not cut it away, you know, and that Moses was afraid that when they went over there, that they were going to worship the gods that they worshiped, you know, and it's the same stuff that people worship today. You know, it's war, it's sex, it's money, it's the moon and the stars, it's the mother earth, it's the find the power within yourself. It's the same stuff. Like if you really research those seven tribes and look at the gods that they worship and what they had to do to worship those gods, it's the same stuff that we as Christians need to get out of our lives as we pursue Yeshua. As we pursue Jesus, as we pursue Yahweh, as we pursue the one and only true living God, it's the same stuff that they needed to get out of their life that we still have to get out of our lives today. But we, we dabble with it. We wrestle with it. We, we allow it to stay close and we think it's not that big of a deal because at least I'm not doing those other things. And over and over again, we watch how this type of worship in their lives would bring them into destruction, that the king that was leading them would bring them into, you know, that they, he did what was evil in the Lord's eyes. You know, and every once in a while, there'd be a king that did what was right when in the Lord's eyes. And you always see what happens next. He tears down the Asher poles. He, he breaks all the pagan temples. And we have to do that in our lives. We cannot compromise that if God is asking us to stay away or to do that the more that we're able to be obedient to that, the more we're able to shema, the more we're able to listen to what the Holy Spirit is telling us, even if it feels crazy, the more those principles begin to bring promises in our lives. And the faster we begin to grow, the faster we see God moving is because we're trusting in him and we're putting faith in him when it feels crazy. You know, you know, quitting jobs that you shouldn't, you think you should quit because God said so and you quit and you're like, I have no money. And all of a sudden God's providing for you and you're like, this is nuts. You know, 
why didn't God do this while I was using? You know, it's like, oh, wait, I was using. You know, it's like, I remember, like, when I was an early Christian, and, and like, I'm being obedient, and people are like, God told me to give you this money, and they're, like, handing me money, and I'm like, what is going on with this? You know, and my first thought is, like, why didn't this ever happen when I was getting high? I mean, I'll be honest, like, because my brain still needed some renewing. You know, and it's like, oh, wait, maybe it's because I'm behaving myself today, and this Jesus stuff's kind of cool. You know, that God is trying to get to the root of the matter in each and every one of us, and it's that our heart wants to do our own thing. We want to be in control. I want to do it my way. I want to find the easiest, softer way possible. I want to find the comfort in following Jesus. I don't ever want to be uncomfortable. And for me, if I'm comfortable following Jesus, I'm not following Jesus. You know, that he makes me uncomfortable. He makes me trust him. He makes me take these steps. He makes me do things. He puts me in situations that I'm like, I don't want to do this. He's like, yeah, you're doing great. Okay, here I go. I don't know how many times that somebody's like, hey, can you help me move? And I'm like, yep, yep, sure can. And then something happens. You're like, oh, I can't do it. And I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. And then later on, it was like, I feel like the Holy Spirit was like, I was just seeing if you're willing or not. Sometimes he just wants to see what we'll do. Will we do it our way? Will we be selfish? Will we will be lazy? Will be what? Or, you know, so a lot of times that he's asking us to do something, it's just to see what we'll do. And he knows. But, you know, the same word in the Hebrew it depends on what happens, is test or temptation. If I overcome it, or I, I choose God, then it was a test, and I passed. If I failed it, or I did my own thing, then it was a temptation. You know, it's the same word. It depends on how we, we've responded. And technically, the same word for healing is salvation, because salvation is healing us. You know, and it depends on our response. You know, so Moses is trying to really get to the root of what's going on, and he he knows because he's been running with these fools for a while. He's like, as soon as I die, it's going to be a train wreck. But he's trying to set it up like for as much as he can. Here's the law. Here's what's going to happen if you obey God. Here's what's going to happen if you disobey God. The promised land's right there. What are you going to do? You know, and he he's trying to like you know. Stoke the fire. He's trying to rally the team. He's like, hoorah, Yahweh. You know, he's like trying to get them so excited for God as they go into this new land that they're going to succeed. But over and over again, you know, he's, he's seeing that the, what's going on in their hearts is this idol worship, pagan worship, you know, that they sneak off and they worship the moon and the stars and they, you know, they, they, that have their hidden idols and they pull them out in their tents and, you know, they're still practicing some of the old, you know, religious stuff, the old idol worship, the old paganism as they're going through the same motions as they're trying to follow Yahweh and, and, and sitting before Moses and, and, and doing everything the Levites are doing, you know, and <clears throat> you see the heart of God in this because as God is, is talking to Moses and, and Moses is speaking forth some of these laws, this is where the tithe gets really set up. 
even though it's, you know, foreshadowed in Genesis with, you know, Abraham or Abram at that time and, and, you know, Melchizedek, who was a priestly king, and we're not really sure where he comes from, but we see that it's a foreshadow of Christ because he is our priestly king, that the tithe gets set up. So they're giving 10% to take care of the Levites, who are the priests, who are, you know, taking care of the temple tent, who are, you know, <clears throat> doing all the, the worship and doing all the, you know, sacrifices. But you also see this other thing is that they they have this other 10%. And this other 10% on top of the tithe was to be given to the poor. And we see God's heart for the broken. We see God's heart for the poor. We see God's heart for the injustices of this world. You know, long before Jesus, that we see how God's setting things up. You know, and they never really followed through with it. You know, that in here you see the year of Jubilee, which was the 50th year that anybody that, you know, was a slave was set free. You know, and, you know, so everybody started with scratch. They had their own little possession. They had their own little land. They had their own little allotment. And for whatever choices or bad choices and their own decisions, they might lose some of this. And at some point they might have to sell all their possessions. And at some point they sell their daughters and their sons. And at some point they would have to sell themselves into slavery. But they would get set free. But you know what's kind of interesting that I found out is in the thousands of years before Jesus came that this law was written, they never did it. So they'd have all these religious rules and they wouldn't follow through with the ones that would cost them something. At the points where they would have to deny themselves, they would just like, eh, we're going to skip past that because I get comfortable in my bondage to what I want. And so often we get we get enslaved to money. We get enslaved to power. We get enslaved to comforts. And Jesus wants to shake things up sometimes. And he wants us to let go of something. He wants us to let go of a relationship. He wants us to let go of a job. He wants us to let go of the idea it's time for school. He, he wants us to let go of the idea that, you know, I'm going to do it this way. This is what I want to do. And he wants us to step back and say, you know what, what, what do you want me to do, God? You know, if you would have asked me, you know, when this whole Jesus thing kicked off, if I was going to be a pastor, that'd be a whole hell no. You know, that God needs me in the tattoo shop because all these people with tattoos and piercings need Jesus. So this is exactly where God put me. And God's like, it's time to leave the tattoo shop. And I'm like, la, 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 I don't hear you. Because I wanted to do what was comfortable for me. I wanted to do my own will in God. You know, and God kept challenging me as I would pray, God, show me what's in the way between me and you. Help me to follow you. He'd be like, time to leave the tattoo shop. And I'm like, you're God. You can do better than that. So I'm going to pray this again, and you need to come up with a different answer. And I fought it for weeks. I would hear it, and I would, uh, nope, not listening to that. And eventually, just the, the the craziness that was going on around me, it was like, okay, I hear you. I've been hearing him the whole time. And so often, we've been hearing him. We know what he's asking of us. 
but yet we're still trying to figure out a different way. And it's so important that we get to this place where we listen because he's guiding us through and that, you know all the craziness and skipping the potholes into his will. You know, and it's so important that the more we listen and the crazier as it seems, most likely it's him. Because the devil's not going to ever ask us to do stuff that are against our flesh or against our sin nature or that doesn't seem like a great idea towards having fun or feeling good. You know, Jesus is always going to ask us to do stuff that are, is more, a little bit more difficult and probably going to have to deny myself and, and it's going to cost me something. But he never, he never doesn't supply. He never doesn't reward. He never doesn't take care of. You know, that there's promise hooked to principle. You know, and the more we learn to live this way, you know, that we, we see how our life just begins to take care of itself because God's at work. You know, so often we're trying to get everything back that we've lost through the years. And the harder we try to get it and the more we scramble and the more anxious we get and the harder, you know, we try to run fast and, and try to put these things in place. Life is just absolutely chaotic. And if we would just step back and say, all right, God, I'm going to do it your way. And we, we resist one thing. All of a sudden, there's like three things that get added to us. And it's like, how did that just happen? It's because God did it. And I didn't have to earn it. You know, God does crazy stuff when we follow him. You know, that each one of us is a little bit different. But there's ways that God has already blessed each and every one of us. And that when we share some of the stories of what God has done to people that don't believe what we believe, it seems pretty crazy. Like, I don't like to really get into all the things that God has done since I got saved because I feel like I'm bragging. And it's not that I'm bragging. I'm trying to brag on God. But it's like some of these things have been pretty extra extraordinary and it's because I, I've been willing to lay it all down because I knew that in my own strength, in my own ability, I was going to destroy everything I touch. Like I had no ability to depict the right thing. I had no ability to run my own life. And I finally came to that conclusion like I have to completely learn how to live again. You know, I didn't get sober and then like, oh, I can pick this back up again. You know, because in my own ability, I'm leading myself back to a drink and a drug. I've watched myself do that time and time again, even when I'm doing something good. Somehow, I ended up crash landing. And this is the same thing that Moses is trying to say. is like, even when you think you're doing good, if it's not about obedience to God, if you're not listening to what God is asking you to do, if you're not cutting off what God is asking you to cut off, that these things will get closer and closer and tear you down. And we watch it as they do go into the promised land. And we'll get into that. But, you know, basically this is Moses' final speeches, you know, and he goes up and he climbs the mountain and he's looking across the river at, at everything that God has, has said that will come and Moses passes away and he dies. You know, and it's it's also a, a Christ symbol that that Moses was, you know, this leader that was leading them into the promised land, just as Christ is our leader who's leading, leading us into the promised land. And there has to be a payment. There has to be a death for us to prosper. You know, our sin is that great that, you know, we have to die. And in Moses' rebellion, you know, 
you know, there's different ways that you can look at that. You know, when he when he hit the rock the second time, you know, and he was like, we are going to lead you. You know, that God was like, yeah, no, that's what Satan did. You know, I'm going to take you out now before you get yourself in trouble. You've been doing a great job. You know, there's sometimes that God spanks us and it's a good thing. You know, he afflicts the ones he loves. So sometimes when we're getting ourselves out of balance, it feels like everything starts crashing down around us. And we need to really take a moment and sit still instead of run like we normally would. Sit still in that moment and allow God to really speak into what's really going on so that we then make a godly decision. You know, anytime that we're allowing our emotions to make our decisions, it's usually not a good thing. You know, AA taught me that feelings aren't facts and emotions lie. Well, my feelings are out of control in my early recovery. You know, and my emotions are all over the place. I'm like a roller coaster. And if I'm allowing my emotions or my feelings to make my decisions, I'm not following God. I'm, you know, I'm running from anything that's difficult. You know, and what I've come to learn is that our feelings or emotions are hooked into our fleshly body, our soulish man. You know, and if we're letting that make the decision instead of the spirit, the Holy Spirit, that we're not obeying God, we're doing what we want to do or running from God or running from consequence, running from circumstances, running from trials. And Jesus is like rejoicing that thing because I'm doing something cool in you. You know, and he's working on our character and he's teaching us to persevere. I've never persevered in my life before Jesus. Everything I've ever started, I quit. Everything that I ever attempted to do, I ran away from. Everything that seemed like a good idea in the moment, I never followed through with it until Jesus showed up and started to, to work on my heart and work on the, the inner workings of who I am and teach me how to, to walk through this world and not get in, ensnared by the things that are going on around us. So often we want temptation to be gone forever, and that's just not reality. You know, we're going to leave here tonight, and every one of us is going to see activity on the street. Every one of us is going to see some bar sign. Every one of us is going to have some sort of temptation through some avenue or another. Our flesh is going to be like, eat something or do something that you shouldn't do. And it's up to us to be obedient to what God is asking us to do and resist certain things, lay down certain things, trust him in certain things, let go of certain things, grab a hold of certain things so that we're doing it his way and not our way. We're doing it his way and not the world's way. And it's difficult because everyone around us, and sometimes even Christians, aren't doing it Jesus' way. And it's up to us. We can't expect somebody else to do it. You know, I see lots of people come to church and they try to drag somebody with them. Like, do this with me. And God's moving on one of them and not the other one. And sometimes it's the one that got dragged that God really moves on, and the one that, you know, dragged the other person is the one that ends up running away. It, it, it's always these weird circumstances. You're like, you know, how God moves. You know, I got brought here by a girl. You know, a buddy of mine got brought here by the same girl. You know, it's like, you know, we were both part of, you know, this meeting at one point. You know, Chris lived with me for a while, and the same girl brought us here, and our intentions were the same, and they weren't Jesus-y, I promise you. You know, and, you know, God uses all sorts of things to get us here, you know. But I will have to say, a different girl led him away, and now he's in prison. Because he went back to using again, you know, and... 
Why am I here? Is because I keep trying to trust God and I keep trying to surrender things. And trust me, I've gotten frustrated and I've gotten angry and I've gotten overwhelmed and I'm, I tried to put the cart in front of the horse. I have not been perfect in all of this. But at some point or another, right when I'm about to do something I shouldn't, you know, God says, do you trust me? And I'm like, yes, I trust you. Even though everything inside of me and everything that's going on around me is not trusting him. But I'm like, yes, I trust you. And he's like, sit still. And everything in me wants to run. I'm a runner. Most people that are in recovery are runners. Most people pre-Jesus are runners. You know, it's only God that gives us the ability to face our path, face this world, face ourselves, and to trust him because he's the only one that gives us the strength to navigate those things. You know, and this is what Moses is speaking into the Israelites is that you have to trust God if you're going to make it. And it's the same message for us today that if we're not trusting the word of God, if we're not trusting our relationship with him, if we're not trusting the Holy, you know, the Holy Spirit, that we're hearing his voice, you know, we hear it more than we, we realize because we negate it. And if we start being obedient to that little voice, we'd start to watch how we're like, oh, wow, that was God. You know, usually we, we, we hear it and then we do our own thing. And we're like, oh, I should have listened to that. You know, we're all guilty. I'm guilty. You know, and the more that we tune our ear to the Holy Spirit, he begins to, to guide us through some crazy, you know, things. And we start like, wow, that's crazy how that happened. And that's amazing how that happened. And I'm, you know, wow. You know, it's like these coincidences are happening. You know, so it's important that we see, you know, God in every book of the Bible. We see how Jesus is moving in every book of the Bible. You know, and there's some prophecies that are woven into Moses' speech because he talks about that the son of the virgin is going to, to take care of everybody. So it's like, you know, they're waiting for this thing to happen because we think it's going to happen now. You know, and that's the, the crazy thing about what God says is that it doesn't always happen this second. But if we're obedient and follow him, he takes care of things, you know. So like right at this time when it's like the cliffhanger as they're going into the promised land is when Moses is kind of passing away and putting Joshua you know, in place, and he, you know, is ready to be the leader. But as we watch, you know, how, you know, Moses has been seeking God, Joshua has been right there in his hip pocket, you know, trying to get everything he can out of Moses. So it's important that we get close to leaders, we get close to people who are chasing after God, that we can't do this in our own strength by ourselves. That that's one way the enemy tries to isolate us and say, I can do this, I don't need help. You know, and sooner or later we, we get into that moment where we we have the, the temptation and we fall short. And it's, you know, and every one of us do it. You know, and we have to humble ourselves and say, you know what, I need accountability. I need people. I need my tribe around me. I need God's family around me. I need my brothers and sisters. I need this so that I can move forward the way God wants me to move forward because it, it's, it's so ingrained in what the Bible is saying is that that we can't do this alone. Ecclesiastes 4 says one person tries to do it alone, they're going to get defeated by the devil. But two people can fight back to back. Three people interwoven like a cord, it's hard to break. Now that Holy Spirit can be the third cord, but 
I've watched how, you know, I have put people around me and I'm always connected that, you know, it's helped me to keep pressing forward, chasing the Lord. And I watch people as they try to do their own thing and sooner or later they wander. You know, and it doesn't mean they're not saved and it doesn't mean they leave the church and it doesn't even mean they relapse. But they go through these difficult seasons because they're not plugged in and they're not sharing what they're going through and they're not talking about what they're going through and they're not praying with other people what they're going through. And it's so much harder to do this. This is hard no matter what we do. So we should try to make this as easy as possible and get with people and be around people that are like-minded, that are pressing after Jesus as much as possible, as much as it's hard for us because we have trust issues and I've been betrayed and I have a million stories of why I can't and blah, blah, blah. But today's a new day. I have to get through this and I know I can't do it my own way. You know, so it's important that we get around people and we, we stay close to the local church. We stay close to meetings. We stay close to people that are doing the right thing because you know, we get close to somebody that's doing the wrong thing and they're in a relationship they shouldn't be or they're doing something they shouldn't be and it's, it's that much easier for us to do it too. You know, we get around people that are being set apart and chasing after Jesus, it's that much easier to do that too. You know, so it's so important that we're choosing holiness, that we're set apart, that we're not of this world, we're not like Egypt, we're not like the crazy idol worshiping sinners that are around us. And we still do it. It's not that I'm perfect. But if I get myself plugged in to the local church and I get plugged in with a routine that puts me in a place to succeed, I'm going to watch how it's that much easier for me to do the right thing because I'm not trying to drag people with me or I'm not associating with people, especially in these early days, you know, especially when I'm early in recovery. It's so important that I'm, you know, so close to Jesus and so close to people that are doing the right thing because that stuff rubs off on us real fast. Just like people that are doing the, rub, the wrong thing rubs off on them. You know, and it's not that they're bad people. It's just they're doing stuff that I don't want to do anymore. You know, I, I've learned, I, I've done it enough to realize that when I do that, bad stuff's going to happen sooner or later. And I want to figure out this Jesus stuff to the best of my ability because I've never given it my all. And since I have, God's done some cool stuff. Would you just bow your heads with me? Lord, I just thank you so much. I thank you for all that you're doing. Lord, I ask that you just move powerfully. Lord, help us to just press into you. Lord, help us to put you first. Lord, help us to, to read your word and apply it to the best of our abilities. Lord, help us to, to get plugged into the local church and to, to recovery meetings. Lord, help us to, to find friends. Help us to find brothers in Christ. Help us to find sisters in Christ. Work through our, 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 all our relational issues and emotional issues of why I can't do this and why I can't do that. And find the excuses of why I can. Lord, help us to trust you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen.